love. It's all we have left. Who are you? What is your essence at this moment in time? What's going on around you? Are you excited that we're going to receive the premiership trophy about three o'clock this afternoon? Because I am. Eli is. There's a few of us out there. What is it that's the most important thing in your day? Why did you get up this morning? What will you do this week? Why will you do it? The truth is, love. Love is all that you will have left. Love is the only thing that can be kept at the end of the day. Love. Love. Let me come back to that later on, but give us some context, I think, into what Jesus might be or who Jesus might be speaking to and around at this moment in time. We've been going at this for a couple of weeks. We've been in John chapter 10, and then we went into this uh, final discourse Jesus has with his, uh, with his disciples before he leaves them. And uh, uh, I don't know about you, but I, d- I don't read a lot of, uh, of novels or literature. I'm usually reading rock biographies. It just happens to be my thing. It's better than the Beano comic, for goodness sake. Um, but I do now and again, and I got a great um, novel that I would highly recommend to uh, for you to read, if, even if you're not coming with us to Uganda this summer. There's a, an award-winning novel that's got a lot of uh, press this, this just at the start of this year um, by Jennifer. Forgive me, I do go to Uganda regularly, but don't ask me to pronounce some of these words. Jennifer Nansubugu. Mukumbi. That's not bad, actually. Um, she has a book out called Kintu. She now lives in Lancashire. She's a part of Lancashire University. She did her PhD there. And Kintu's a book that's an epic book of Ugandan history and a novel. And um, I've really enjoyed kind of going back through time and getting myself into Kampala now and working out where the places are and, and all of that stuff that novels do when you're reading them in places you know. But if, if you're if you're a Christian and you read modern literature, you'll constantly come across a bit of a bashing. And so um, in uh, Macumbi's Kintu, here was the line that bashed me. Christianity messed with the mind. How else would you explain Kanani, who had frozen all his humanity to turn into a walking Bible. How else could you explain Kanani, who had frozen all his humanity to turn into a walking Bible? How aware are we of people that we know who've lost all sense of love or compassion or tolerance because they've turned in to a walking Bible. And I couldn't help thinking about those words when I was trying to put the context into Jesus speaking to the disciples. Yes, he's about to die and, and go to the cross and be raised to life. But we need to remember that when he's teaching them these last precious things before he goes, that he's speaking into the context of a world of people, religious people, religious leaders, who had frozen all their humanity to turn into walking books of the law. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they had frozen all their humanity 
Jesus heals a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath. And the walking Bible says, wrong to do it on the Sabbath because they'd frozen all the humanity that they should have had for the man with the withered hand. How many times in the Gospels do we find those moments where the walking Bibles around, or walking Old Testaments if we want to get uh, particularly correct about it, are walking around Jesus having frozen out their humanity. And then it would be easy if we could throw it back to first century Phariseeism. But it's alive and well on planet Earth, in Northern Ireland, maybe even in our churches right now. A judgmentalism that creates enmity, that divides and dehumanizes. I've uh, just over the last few years come up with a, a word called theologism, a bit like racism or sectarianism. Theologism. It's where you're in a situation and it's made very clear in the situation that you're on the outside because you don't have the same views of what the scripture says about that subject than those who are walking Bibles but have somehow lost their humanity. And they judge. They create enmity. They divide and dehumanize. Took me back to my favorite line of Bickner on sin. Sin pushes out. Sin pushes away. Widens gaps between you and whoever. Theologism. Walking Bibles that have lost their humanity. And Jesus is speaking to this new church, this new way, this new living followers of God, people of God. And he's speaking to them in the context of what their default position is. All the people of God that they have seen all of their lives are those who are walking Bibles or walking Torah and have lost their humanity. And Jesus is speaking in with this incredibly revolutionary kind of idea. That instead of being a walking Torah and ticking off all the ones we're doing and all the ones we're not doing, he's bringing it back to actually melting the freezing of our humanity into becoming those that will be relational to God to start with. Relational to God. I'm not going to call you slaves or servants because they don't know what I'm about. I'm going to call you friends, we've just read. There's this human, this human melting of the dehumanizing frozenness of humanity into being living relationship, not only with God, but one another, loving one another. Jesus is about closing the gaps that we've created in our sinfulness. And the greatest gap closer is love. The other song the title of today and the U2 said at the minute, love is bigger than anything in its way. It's the thing that closes the gap. And so last week we were abiding. Didn't Gillian do it well? Now there's a wee bit of an issue with Gillian's children's talk that we probably as a session need to meet afterwards and, and work through. Because as far as I'm aware, it's illegal to have alcohol in Presbyterian premises. Now, wait a minute. We might have a get-out clause because as far as I'm aware, she hasn't opened them yet. 
So, um, so I'm not sure whether I should talk to my clerk of session and we should have a, a bit of an issue about that. But anyway, Gillian brought beautifully together last week's reading from the first section of John chapter 15 and this week's section that Paul read from John chapter 15, where we're abiding in Christ, we're part of the vine, we're grafted in, we're, we're finding the nurture from, from, from the vine of Jesus and we're those who are the branches out there bearing fruit for God. And that fruit is to love. Of course, the Bible's full of love. We love because he first loved us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See what great love the Father has lavished on us as I start at the service, that we should be called children of God. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and they will, be, and will, call, will come to them and we make up home with them make our home with them. Interestingly, all those readings about love, probably the ones we go to first, are all either in John's gospel or in John's epistle. This is John's emphasis, this love thing, this love of God for us, this changing of the relationship from slave to servant or children as we have in 1 John chapter 4 that we read or or chapter 3 that we read earlier on. All of this is because God first loved us. We cannot love without God having first loved us. It's almost a spiritual theology of John based around the word. In fact, maybe this is the love theology coming out of the writings of John. And it's a different kind of beast religiously than the one that they were used to around about. It's a very, very different kind of beast, or should I say, angel of the Pharisees and Sadducees around Jesus. It's a paradigm shift. We'll no longer be credited by being walking Bibles. We'll be credited by the love we show to one another. And then I said it earlier on, and I I was quoting from uh, the wonderful thing about doing the lectionary is that many of your friends are doing the lectionary, and many of your friends are far better Uh, preachers of the gospel or the word of God than you are. So fortunately, uh, my mate Doug put up last night his introduction to a sermon on the same subject today. So let me read it to you. Church really is different from most other places we go to in our lives. Now he's speaking from Glasgow, so you need to understand it's it's the city of of Rogers and Gerrard. Who would have thought? He says, um, we go to different places. Go to football at Hamden. The match program may contain an appeal for good behavior and friendly rivalry. Go to the pub. The landlady may give you a friendly warning about keeping your voice down or watching your language. Don't know what pubs Doug goes to. You could go to work and you may find there a a code of conduct that you have to observe. Your manager may remind you that you have to be professional in the way that you treat your customers or co-workers. You could go to the branch of your local political party or trade union and you may be encouraged to show solidarity with your comrades. But there are really, really, really not many places, if any in the world, other places in our lives where we go and sit down, maybe beside a stranger, and we are commanded to love one another. This is the room. This is the room above all other rooms when we're called to love the person sitting beside us. A command to love. It's not sentimental. It's not an idea. 
It's a command. Actually, it is what the kingdom of God is all about. The love of God, his cross, his resurrection, that is the love that brings us into the kingdom of God. The love of God sustains us while we're in the kingdom because we're grafted onto the vine that gives us all the nourishment we need to bear fruit. But the love is the kingdom. It's what happens in the kingdom. It's the language, it's the conduct, it's the behavior. It's the natural way that we live within the kingdom. It's our mission. As Kim was praying earlier, all men and women will know that we are disciples of God because we're walking Bibles? No, because we love one another. The greatest way for us to tell a world about a different way to live is if we reveal to them that we love one another. Abiding leads to love. We pick up the character of God as we abide in Christ. And that love is sacrificial. Let's not forget the shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. Greater love is no one than this to lay one's life to lay down one's life for our friends. Got a friend um, who's in business and uh, uh, he's a CEO in the company that he works in. And he was telling me about one of his workforce once. And uh, he was telling me that this guy, and in some ways when I was thinking about it today, this guy was a walking Bible. Um, he was uh, really, in good ways, let's give all the positives. He was committed to his faith. He would have worn something on his lapel to have suggested that he was uh, a Christian and um, he wouldn't have laughed at the dirty jokes. No, 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 no. He wouldn't have been doing any of that. And he would have got every chance he had to uh, get a chance to evangelize anybody uh, over coffee or lunch or whatever ways he possibly could. He was doing all of that, my friend thought, very well. And then my friend said this. The entire workforce knows That if you need somebody to give up their coffee break or give up their lunch break or to stay half an hour after work to finish a job, that he's not the one to ask. His reputation in the room was that he was not the one who was laying down even minutes, even minutes for those around him. He was a walking Bible. The humanity had got frozen. And he thought by going through certain motions, it would make an impression. But here's the impression. The impression is if you lay down your life, maybe none of us will ever have to. But your half hour, your coffee break, your lunch break, that game of golf, that shopping trip, that football match, that you too gig. No greater love has any of us than when we're prepared to sacrifice for friends. Because here's the push. Love is all we have left. This simple strip back opening song on the new U2 tour. That's uh, the key song, I think, in Songs of Experience that just came out a while ago. Bono, in these very simple lyrics, with a little bit of listening, 
nails the gospel and some Pauline theology and leaves us with the questions we need to ask in our life. I wanted the world, he sings, but you knew better and that all we have is immortality. It's a paraphrase on Jesus. What is it to gain the world? I wanted the world, but you knew better. Who knew better? The baby on the doorstep. No room at the inn. The baby in the song is Jesus. You knew better because you knew that it was useless to gain the world if I lost my soul because all we have is immortality. It's Jesus and it's 1 Corinthians 13. Love is all we have left. Now three remain. Faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. It's the only thing that can be kept. The acts of love that we do this week are the things that we'll, we, we will be keeping into eternity. All the half hours playing all the other stuff, it's going nowhere. Only the stuff we lay down, only the ways we serve. I was in thought for the day on Friday and I was using that Martin Sheen that I've used a lot recently. One serves oneself best when one serves others first. It's the love. Love laying down our lives to serve others first. That's what will be kept. That's what will last. It's our way into the kingdom. It's our fuel in the kingdom. It's the life of the kingdom. It's all that we will have left. It is life in all its fullness. 10-10 here on this earth. And it's life in all its fullness. 10-10 in eternity. New commandment I give you. Love one another. No greater love has anyone than to lay down whatever you're asked to lay down this week for a friend. It's all that we can keep. It's all that we'll have left. Let's pray. And in the silence for a second, let's consider the week ahead. And let's consider all the places, all the places when we would have an opportunity to love. From the pew where you can turn around and do it, immediately after the benediction to the welcome area to your dinner table to whatever you're doing over the bank holiday to whatever the rest of the week has scheduled or unscheduled informal or formal all those opportunities Jesus says, whatever you do this week, whatever you do this week, the most important thing, the most eternal thing will be to love.
Lord, we thank you for your love that brings us into your kingdom. Sacrificial, lay down your life love. We thank you for the kingdom that you bring us into and that you sustain us by your love. We pray that you'll help us, that you will energize us by your love to love, to love. In the name of Jesus, amen.